Good evening. Good evening. Hey, that's better. Nice to be with you. I need to thank you for your continued support month after month and year after year to us as we preach the gospel in South Africa. Because of you and because of some others like you, we're able to concentrate, give our full attention to preaching the gospel without having to worry about getting money to make ends meet and survive because you've been generous to us over and over again, and we thank you and appreciate it. My, my wife Vicky's with me, my daughter Evangel, my son Timothy, and my son Joshua. We're, not, we're glad to be with you. We have happy memories of being here with you before. We have one little girl we're waiting to see in heaven. She's not with us, but we're trying to be patient and wait to see her. Now, if you have your Bibles, you could turn to John chapter 9 or just listen. It's just going to be one verse. And I hope this verse will stick in your hearts and in your minds in the hours and days and years to come. <laughs> in John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Of course, when Jesus was here on earth, they didn't have electric, electric lighting, at least as far as I know. And so when nighttime came, you, most kinds of work, you'd have to pretty much shut it down, that's it, you know. But of course, Jesus is not just talking about that. That's just a figure. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, Night cometh when no man can work. He's talking about doing the works of God. I must work. Let's stop right there. I must what? I must what? Work. There are several things I tried to train my, our children. You know, one of the first is to obey, tell the truth, be thankful. One of them is to work. Time will tell whether I've been successful or what degree I've been successful. Teach them to work, whether somebody's watching them or not. Jesus said, I must work. We live in a lazy age. No, well, on the one hand, some people are working their heads off, working two jobs. A couple is working three or four jobs, <laughs> trying to make all the payments the house and the cars. On the other hand, you got people being paid not to work, lazy, feeling like everybody owes them a living. The Bible has some pretty strong medicine about that. If any will not work, what does the Word of God say? Neither let him eat. That uh, would motivate people if you followed that. Obviously, when people can't work, that's a different story. Too sick to work. They've worked hard, and now they're older. Of course, kids are supposed to take care of them. They took, parents took care of them when they were helpless and weak. Now we take care of our, our parents. 
But Jesus said, I must work. There's a place in the Bible that says, Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord negligently. And Jesus said in one of his parables, he said, You wicked, slothful servant. We're going to face Jesus someday. I'd hate for him to say that to me. You wicked, lazy servant. But he's going to say that. But he didn't just say, I must work. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me. Now, there's lots of good things you can do in life. But there's not a lot of things that God has commanded us to do. You remember Peter and the apostles. Peter, Peter and Andrew, also James and John, were fishing. Now, as fishing... As a vocation, is that a good work? Well, it is. It supplies food. That's about as basic as you can get, you know. But now Jesus called them and gave them a bigger job, a more urgent job. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus is not so concerned about the fishes in the lake as he is about another lake, a lake of fire. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 13, at the end of the world, the Son of Man will send forth his angels. They'll separate between the righteous and the wicked and cast the wicked into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Boy, that's pretty urgent. Now, we've turned from our sinful way. We've turned to Jesus for mercy and we're safe. But We've got a big work to do. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. What are the works Jesus came to do? Well, he didn't leave it up to our guesswork. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. And so when Jesus was here, he was seeking out sinners and preaching the gospel. And then, of course, the big thing he came to do was to on the cross, secure salvation, pay the debt, suffer the righteous, the punishment to satisfy the righteous anger of a holy God against the sins of the world. He died not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's why he came. But he also came in connection with that to save sinners, to preach the gospel. He came to call sinners to repentance, Luke 5, 32. He said, I'm not, called to, I'm not come, to, come to call the righteous, but, but what? Sinners. He didn't say sinners to repentance. He didn't just say sinners to make a profession of faith or sinners to pray the sinner's prayer. And I'm not against that. Uh, I'm not against making a profession of faith. But the emphasis he made was I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And frankly, that's been pretty left out, pretty downplayed, pretty much ignored in modern preaching and soul winning. I've, I've known a lot of people, and I used to be in it myself, um, some movements talking a lot about soul winning, and they, uh, they see a number of hands, or they see people who 
pronounce the right words and pray the right prayers. And they say rather, rather uh, <clears throat> confidently that this many people were saved. No mention of repentance, no sign of repentance afterwards either. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. And what those people do is either they ignore repentance, some of them just plain deny it. And then some of them don't deny it, but they sort of redefine it. They say repentance doesn't mean turning away from sin, it just means turning away from your unbelief. No, repentance means turn away from sin. From Matthew, the beginning of the New Testament, to Revelation, the end of the New Testament. You'll see a number of examples where it specifically talks, when it talks about repentance, it's talking about turning from selfishness and dishonesty and stealing and idolatry and sorcery. From Matthew to Revelation. Repentance means a change of mind. We all used to go our own way. We lied. Am I right? Now don't sit there and lie to me now. I said we have lied. Am I right? We have. We used to steal. Did you ever get some food mom did not say you could have? We used to hurt others, guys. Am I right? Especially when they're little than us. Ladies, we, we used to hurt others. By the things we said about them. Ladies, am I right? We used to disobey. We've committed a lot of sins in our secretly in our minds. God said, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. You see, when you come to the Lord, there's a change of mind. It results in a change of attitude and behavior and works. And so we used to tell lies. Now we tell the truth. That's pretty clever of you to figure that out. <laughs> that stuff we stole. Now when we can, we give it back is the word. We used to hurt others. Now we will be kind. We used to be too selfish to share. Now we'll be happy to, to give, to share. There are fruits of repentance. John the Baptist said every tree that doesn't bring forth a good fruit will be cut down and cast into the fire. John the Baptist, the, excuse me, uh, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle of Grace, summed up his ministry. He said, I've told you to repent and do works fit for repentance. Acts chapter 26. There's a big change. Repentance, change of mind. And that's what Jesus, that's the purpose of his coming. I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the great commission, it's given five times. And Luke, the way it's given this way. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations. That's what God sent him to do. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. And so I must work the works of him that sent me too. Call people to repentance. And as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. So the work God sent Jesus to do then we have that same job then, don't we? As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. If he's called, if his purpose is to call sinners to repentance, then our job is to call sinners to repentance. And so he said it explicitly in the Great Commission, Luke 24, 47. 
The Great Commission is given this way in Matthew chapter 28, right in the last couple verses of the book before he ascended into heaven. He said, go therefore and teach or make disciples of all nations. That's, that's our command. Baptize them, teach them to do all the things Jesus has said to do. That's the job. Now, that's the job he gave them. Was that just for those 11 apostles? Or is it for us as well? My ears aren't quite big enough. And I couldn't hear your answer. I said, was that job, that commission, great commission, just for the 11 who heard him, or was it for us as well? How do you know that? Because they preach it from the pulpit. That's good. But there's a bigger and better reason than that. The reason we know it's for us as well, two or three reasons. One, he says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Uh, those 11 disciples didn't last till the end of the world. So whoever he's talking to are people who will go all the way to the end of the world. Second reason, bigger reason still, he said, you go make disciples and teach them to do what I've taught you. So even if it was just to the 11, they had the job of teaching their converts the same thing to obey the same commands Jesus gave the 11, and those had the same job to teach their converts what Jesus commanded the 11. Go therefore and make disciples and teach them to do all the things I've commanded you to do. Jesus said, I must work. I must work the works of God. Lots of good things you can do with your life, but are you working the work of God? Are you making disciples? Are you teaching them to obey? You know, there's a lot of things you can teach people in church and teach them theology and teach them this and that and other things, and I'm not against those things, but the big thing is teach them to obey all the commands Jesus gave us. I went through the New Testament many years ago. Oh, goodness, 40-some years ago, I guess. And I made a list, or not make a list, I marked with my with a pencil, blue pencil, all the commands I could find in the New Testament. Counted up about 700. Now they're not 700 different ones because a lot of them are repeated. Uh, so if you hear me repeating, if you hear the pastor repeating, we're being Christ-like because he repeated too. So don't get on to us and say we're senile, okay? I heard about one pastor who preached something and they, they shook his hand and said that was good. Next week you preach the same thing. And they didn't know what to say. Third week, he preached the same thing again. And the deacon said, we better talk to him. And they said, you know, that's the same thing you preached last Sunday. And the Sunday before that. He said, I know that, but I'm, wait, but I'm waiting for you to do what I said this, this time and last Sunday, the Sunday before. Jesus wasn't above repeating. Now, he has given us the command to go make disciples and teach them. Teach them what? To teach them to, didn't, te didn't just say teach them what the commands are. Teach them to obey. Teach them to observe all things that I've told you to do. Uh, we've got three children left. My job is not to just teach them what the Bible says. My job is to teach them to obey. 
train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Training doesn't just mean telling the Bible story, send him to the Christian school and church. It means train him to obey. That so that whether things are going nice or bad, they will they've learned to obey. That's one of the things when they're just little. Come here. Pick it up. Stop. Trying to teach them to obey quickly, whether they felt like it or not, whether they had something else to do or not. And so Jesus said, go make disciples, baptize them, teach them to, to what? Obey all the things I've commanded to do. So Jesus spells out in simple, plain language, occasionally repeating and summarizing what the work of God is. I must work the works of him that sent me. Are you doing his work? How many of you have a business of your own? Could I see your hand? You own, you, you own a business. Okay, I see two or three. Oh, what do you do, sir? Investment properties. How many people you have working for you? All right, suppose one of your regulars showed up two hours last week. And the week before that, work five hours. And the week before that, a half an hour. And the week before that, didn't show up. And suppose he comes this week and works two hours and a half. What would you call him? Lazy. <laughs> uh, you get the point. They're working, but they're not really much of a worker. You think God ought to have, you think God has any lower standards than this guy here? Do you think the work of God is any less important than investment properties? Somebody says, "Well, I go soul winning or I make the disciples." Yeah. Are you really a laborer? Jesus says there's not many laborers in the harvest. Let me get a picture here. Of a Can you imagine a field of grain? Jesus said in a couple places, he said, the harvest truly is plenteous. One place he said it's plenteous, another place he said it's great. Now, I think you know he's not just talking about wheat or corn or some other grain. He's talking about people who could be saved. There's a great harvest. Not many workers. I don't know how long, you know, if we were back in maybe a hundred years ago before you had much mechanized farming equipment, how long it would take to harvest a hundred acres by hand. Let's just imagine somebody out here uh, working
with his sickle or whatever instrument he's using to cut the harvest the grain. Now Jesus, I think you know, is not talking about gathering grain. That's a good thing, of course, and we need food to live. I think most of you knew that already. Our job is to, to, is to go make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey all that Jesus commanded. Not many people really working at it. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, night cometh, when no man can work. There'll come a time when the day's over. Go home, relax, have a nice big supper, kick back and rest. But right now, while it's still day, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day. Night cometh when no man can work. I'll say it again. You know and I know it's not just about farming. There's a huge harvest of souls, people who could be saved. About 7 billion people on the world. And I know that most of them aren't going to be saved. But if 2 billion got saved, that's still just a little minority out of 7. But we're not anywhere near that, I tell you. Uh, there may be two billion people that go by the name of Christian, counting all the liberals and Catholics and Orthodox and cults and and uh, tares, even among the Independent Baptists and uh, our you know our own group, uh, people who go to church and are lo- lost and unsaved. There's a huge harvest. Not many people working in the harvest. So Jesus said, "I must. I must what?" I must work. Not just work, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. We all know we're here only for a while. We all know we have to die. But we had such a shocking thing six years ago in our home. Of the six of us, it was the youngest who died first. Our little girl, sweet little girl, not even three years old yet. I, she was gone before I even knew it was serious. She had been sick a little bit, but not much. She had been sick before that a few months ago. Sicker, I think. She seemed to be, and she got better. And now she's a little bit sick again. And, and then we took her to the doctor. And the, doc, and the nurse thought we could go back, take her back home. Didn't think it very, very bad, bad. The doctor said, no, you better take her to the children's hospital. We took her there, and I laid her down. I saw she was not breathing. I called her name. Cherish! She breathed maybe twice. They sent me and Vicky and our older daughter out to another room. We couldn't even be with our little girl while she died. 
we know that all things work together for good. Of course, it doesn't take a brain, brain surgeon or a rocket scientist to know that even a little girl in a happy home has it better in heaven. But just a few weeks later, I was had to go preach in a big city of Port Elizabeth and about 20-some schools. Most of them I'd never even been to, public schools. But God used her short life and our pain to help people think about eternity and to soften and open their hearts. But it sure was a reminder. Night comes. Death, we don't know when we're going to be finished here when we die. I don't want to waste my time. I must work. The works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Can we have the lights off, please? Night's coming. Well, while it's still day, let's do the works of God. Different times in the book of Psalms, the guy is about is afraid he's going to die, the psalmist. And he's asking God to help him live longer. And he uses a certain argument. He's reasoning with God and trying to persuade God to let him live. Now these psalms are not just his idea. These men were inspired and moved along by the Holy Spirit. Do you know what the argument is? You know the reason he's asking God to let him live a while longer? He said, dead people can't praise you. You ever seen a cemetery where somebody gets up and says, hey, you guys better believe on Jesus? If you have, I sure haven't. Dead people don't do that. But while we're alive, we can. We can tell, God, tell people about the Lord's salvation and tell how good he is and help people to turn from their sin and believe on Jesus. Night comes when no man can work. You're still breathing. You're still alive. Let's get with it. I must, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is night cometh when no man can work. We know what the work of God is. Jesus told us, go therefore and make disciples. Teach them to do all the things I've commanded and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Now, if they don't harvest the wheat, that's bad. They'll, uh, <clears throat> they'll lose their farm, I guess. They won't make any money. People go hungry because the wheat is not harvested. And that's bad. But that's, not, that's pretty mild compared to the, if we don't do the work God has given us to do. There's an awful lake of fire. And we, if we will follow Jesus, he said, come after me and I'll make you fishers of men. He can make us effective disciples, effective soul winners, effective at bringing people to repentance and obedience to him. One qualification. Follow him. You can't follow him unless you give all that you have. It's a complete surrender. And then day by day, 
seeing what he says, reading his word day by day, and obeying what he says. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Education can help. Sometimes it's more harm than good. Uh, good looks can help. Sometimes that's more harm than good. Money can help. <laughs> Sometimes that's a big temptation. Often it's a big temptation. Uh, talents are good. But there's one necessary, indispensable prerequisite to be an effective fisher of men. Follow Jesus. Complete surrender to him. Continual obedience to his word. Follow me and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. When I was a young man, well, I made a profession of faith when I was just a little boy. I used to be a little boy. <laughs> By the time my late teens, I was serious about following Jesus. And I knew I should witness to people, but I was just a first-class chicken. How many of you ever made up your mind you're going to talk to somebody about Jesus, but at the last minute you got scared and chickened out? Could I see your hands? How many of you too chicken to admit it? Could I see your hands? <laughs> well, I was one of those who was... But the Lord was patient with me, and I asked him to give me boldness and He's helped me in that area. And then I found out I needed his power. You'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you to be witnesses. So he helped. And I asked him, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Luke eleven thirteen. And so I'll tell you a good place to start. If you want to win people of the Lord, it's not the only place to start, but it's how I started. It's a, I think it's a good way to start. I uh, concentrated on kids. You know, they won't bite your head off. And there's a lot of kids out there too. And so we had some Bible clubs and after a few months we had several hundred kids coming. Uh, we built a little building, you know, a little chapel so we could house all the, these are wild kids off the street. We had it several days a week. And then God called me to begin preaching across America in churches and schools and some prisons. And that's when I first came here, back 1990. Uh, preaching here. And then in 2001, God led us to move to South Africa. And now we have a huge opportunity in schools and prisons and churches on television. Uh, hundreds of schools. Just last, just in the past few weeks, we have, we've gotten word that two more television stations are broadcasting our uh, chalk talks. Um, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Night cometh when no man can work. Could we have the movie now? My daughter Evangel put this together a few months ago. You'll hear her voice on it. You'll get a better idea of what our work and ministry in South Africa is like. Go ahead. South Africa a nation of approximately 53 million people with 11 official languages. Just over 30% of the population is aged younger than 15 years, with one of the highest crime and murder rates in the world. The highest rate of people infected with HIV AIDS in the world. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. 
Paul Young got his start preaching with chalk art in the public schools of South Carolina in 1967 when he was just 19 years old. Then God opened new doors across America in churches, Christian schools, prisons, and also other countries. Paul met Vicki at a Christian school in Maine where she taught Spanish after becoming fluent in the language from her two years as a missionary in Peru. As Paul said, I was so picky I waited for Vicki. They married in 1992 and continued traveling America and the world together, in his service and loving it. Their first child, Evangel, was born in New Mexico, Timothy was born in New York State, Joshua was born in New Hampshire, and their youngest, Cherish, was born in South Africa. Then God clearly guided them to move to South Africa in 2001, where Paul preached in prisons, schools, and churches. In 2002, Paul's nephew James with his wife Gloria came to visit and ended up staying on to help with the work, filming many of Paul's chalk talks for DVD distribution and for broadcasting on TV in several countries. Also in 2002, Paul started writing and self-publishing booklets on dealing with crucial issues. Saving Faith, Does It Involve a Change of Behavior? Answers to Prayer for Our Family, A Happy Home, Principles of Church Growth, in his service and loving it, and others, all of which are on our website, www.drawingothers2christ.com. It is by far the most advanced country in Africa, with millions of legal and illegal immigrants flooding in. Many of them are open to the gospel. But there is still a lot of poverty and millions living in squatter cities. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And that's what we're doing. Now we want to please him. He's the Lord. There are other problems. Islam and cults are on the rise. South Africa has some of the highest rates of AIDS, murder, rape, and other crimes, as well as widespread government corruption. God was blessing us and the ministry so much. Then in 2006, our youngest, Little Cherish, died suddenly. We were so sad and so shocked. She had been such a sweet little girl. When she was born, she smiled the first day. Some people said she was the happiest child they'd ever seen. But Daddy was able to say, The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Daddy had many new schools scheduled then, and he preached, sometimes still crying, in the schools. And the beautiful thing happened. Cherish's short life and her death softened many people's hearts as Dad preached, and many more turned to the Lord. We believe we will see thousands in heaven partly because of her. Today, Dad continues preaching in churches, schools, prisons, open air, at farms and businesses, to children's groups, to the police and on TV. God has opened so many doors and we've never seen such good responses to the gospel as in South Africa. Month after month, thousands of people are making a public profession of repentance and faith as Dad has preached. 
So many people are open to the gospel, and so many more are still to be reached. And not just in South Africa. Dad is also preached in India, Nigeria, Uganda, Kenya, Lesotho, Mexico, the Philippines, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Peru, and Germany. In Africa alone, but mostly in South Africa, he has preached more than 1,600 places in nearly 400 churches, 1,000 schools, and over 200 farms, businesses, prisons, and other places. If we believe on him, we will have eternal just in the Cape Town area, Daddy has preached to about 200 churches and over 300 schools. In 2014 alone, Daddy was able to draw and speak 572 times, including about 252 schools throughout South Africa and Zimbabwe to a total of about 124,000 people, besides at least 58 churches in many other places. Both the needs and opportunities here are great. There are about 600 schools within just a 40-minute drive of our house here in Musenberg. As Jesus said, there's a great harvest, yet not many people are working in the harvest. Pray that God would send more laborers while there's still time. We're so thankful to God for what He's done and continues to do in and through us in South Africa. We're thankful to those of you who have helped us and given so generously to us, allowing us to focus more fully on spreading the good news to as many people as we can without having to worry about our own needs. Thank you also to those who pray for us. God has chosen to bless us in answer to prayer. He says in his word, Ye have not because ye ask not, and ask and receive that your joy may be full. We know God will bless those who have helped us, and we ask that you would continue to pray for us, for those who help us, for those we serve, for safety as we travel, for unity, and that God would defeat the devil in South Africa. travel, and have adventures as a family, and love to do things together as a family. Mom homeschools us, and car schools us, hosts a ladies Bible study, helps organize a kids Bible club Thursdays, manages the email, writes the prayer letters, keeps the blog updated, and many other behind the scenes things that keep the home front running smoothly. Daddy got his start in his father's ministry preaching in the schools of South Carolina. Now he brings us, his children, to help evangelize the children of South Africa. Besides helping with the work in the schools, Timothy is finishing up his own schooling and enjoys reading, writing, strategy games, and sword fighting. He has written two historical novels and has helped produce a YouTube piece refuting evolution. Joshua is our breakfast cook, our action man, willing worker, great with kids and into making stop-action Lego movies. Besides going to some of the schools with Daddy, Evangel, that's me, helps with the house, with kids' ministries, with editing Dad's books, with some of the technical stuff, with assignments like this movie, and also making my own movies like Star of Light, finished in late 2014. great help to the ministry in the technology department and does most of the work making the DVDs, managing our website, and besides that, has his own ministry of making movies of people's testimonies. 
He and his wife Gloria live just down the road from us with their three kids, Daniel, Connie, and Nathaniel. People often ask what the future holds for us. Of course we don't know, but Daddy's taught us to seek first God's kingdom, and all these things will be added to us. We are trying to do our best to seek and serve God where we are right now with what he's given us. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. A great evangelist of the past, D.L. Moody, is quoted as saying, If I could relive my life, I would devote my entire ministry to reaching children for God. We used to tell lies, and now we tell lies. Did you know that 90% of Christians are saved before the age of 30? God said, love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor like you love yourself, you're going to try to hurt him? That's <laughs> not yes, soul. There are about 12.5 million children in the 26,000 schools in South Africa. Many public school principals have realized the schools need the message Dad brings. Repent. More than one has said, this is what we need or come back anytime. Jesus said, I have set before you an open door that no man can shut. Whoever believes on him will not perish, but have eternal life. Are those the changes you're going to start making? Good. Let's show we're following Jesus. How many of you think you might remember small Paul sometime? And when you do, you'll try to remember to pray for me and our family. Would you do that? Good. For about 10 years, we had a young lady who did most of our scheduling, hundreds and hundreds of schools and churches. Uh, she's not doing that as much, more, as much now. She's uh, married and she has her husband has a flourishing business and they're pretty much taken up with that. If you pray that ask, and ask God to open the doors for us that he wants, uh, we do a lots and lots of call, and it's a huge job to call. Sometimes you have to make a whole lot of calls just to get one appointment, and sometimes they're easy to come. Let me give you uh, <clears throat> one example. I was preaching in a large school of 1,700, and, but, the, but they, didn't want, they just wanted me to preach to the 7th graders in the library. They didn't have an auditorium. So I said, no, let's have the whole school. We could do it outdoors. So we did. And they were pretty well behaved and attentive. 1,700 kids outdoors. I've done that hundreds of times, preaching outdoors to, to schools. Well, when I finished, one of the teachers said, he gave me a name of another school and the principal's number to call. So I called, and she scheduled me to come to her school. <clears throat> I put the name of the school in the GPS, got there a little early, the principal wasn't there yet, so I told them what I was there for, and they gathered the children together. This was outdoors as well. This was about 1,200 kids. And the kids listened, and the teachers were happy to get the books and DVDs that we give out <clears throat> as we go to the schools and churches and prisons. But the principal said, you never did, <clears throat> you never did call me. I said, yes, I did. Then here's the number right here. She said, that's not my number. I had gone to the wrong school. 
It had the same name, but it was in a different province, maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 miles away. Um, I never even had an appointment, but I preached. Pastor, I'll confess to you, I never have fully repented about it. <laughs> As an example of how God can use our ignorance, he used my ignorance to reach 1,200 kids. She wasn't too put out with me. She said, there's another school over there you need to preach to, and there's one over there you need to preach to, too. I called up the school where I was supposed to be. She said, you were supposed to be here this morning. I said, I know, I thought I was. But she was kind enough to reschedule me another time, and so I preached to 1,200, no, 900 in her school. So there, some are, uh, the, the government of South Africa is not, would not approve of what we're doing. But hundreds of principals are happy to have me come in because there's so much crime. If you notice, South Africa leads is one of the world leaders in crime, rape, murder, and lots of other kinds of crime. So if you'll pray for us, that God will open the doors. Um, just before we flew to America, I was preaching to um, 1,200 a day for the past three weeks just before we flew over here. But we got news just before we came that the president of the country said they're gonna tr they're, they want to make it so foreigners can't own property. Uh, we, ha our, we have a house there, and um, we don't know what the future holds. It may be God wants to go to another country. I don't know. But just pray that God will bless us and open doors where he wants us and defeat the devil. Now I'd like to ask you another question. How many of you know someone that you wish could have been here tonight to see and hear what you've seen and heard? Can I see your hand? Here's what we have on a table just out there. We have uh, <coughs> several books and some DVDs. Usually we have a lot more, but we're just about run, we're run out of almost all the books. But we do have this one called Saving Faith. Does it involve a change of behavior? I found about 50 places in the Bible that show if you really do believe Jesus, there will be a change. Um, there's others we have, but uh, we printed, but we don't have available. I just, I'm just holding these as a sample. How to have a time alone with God, how to have a happy home in his service and loving it. But actually you can read all these on our website. You can just go to our website, uh, drawingotherstochrist.com. You think you can remember that? What's our website? Drawingotherstochrist.com. My wife has a website, drawingotherstochrist.blogspot.com. So you see, if you just put drawingotherstochrist, you see both those choices there. And you can read the books and you can see the, see the, uh, the, the chalk talks as well. Uh, you, and also on the table we have the, a DVD. We do have some of these uh, available. Has not just one chalk talk like I did this evening. There are 23 different chalk talks. If you'd like to copy them, fine. I was at a large high school in the nation, nation's capital in South Africa. A guy told me he made a thousand copies for the kids there. That's good. Some of the schools make copies and sell them for two or three dollars to the kids, and that's fine too. So if you like that, has some other stuff on it as well. Um, take whatever you like. Make copies if you like to. That'd be a nice easy way to share the gospel with others. I must, if nobody says it, I'm going to start the sermon all over again. <laughs> I must, I must work the of 
him that sent me. Not just the company works, not just my ideas. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is the night cometh when no man can work. Let's be sure we're doing the work of God.